Pushkin. Where do you see your career in 10 years? What are you doing now to help you get there? The sooner you start enhancing your skills, the sooner you'll be ready. That's why AARP has reskilling courses in a variety of categories like marketing and management to help your income live as long as you do. That's right. AARP has a bevy of free skill-building courses for you to choose from because the steps you choose to take today will help you love what you do in the future. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Not long before he died, Steve Jobs made this big, sweeping, very Steve Jobs claim. He said, the biggest innovations of the 21st century will be at the intersection of biology and technology. A new era is beginning. If Steve Jobs was right, If biotech over the next 50 years develops like computers did over the past 50 years, then we are about to see wave after wave of just extraordinary innovations in medicine. Very high on that list of innovations, human body parts made in the lab. I'm Jacob Goldstein, and this is What's Your Problem, the show where I talk to people who are trying to make technological progress. My guest today is Nina Tandon, co-founder and CEO of Epibone. Nina's problem is this. How do you grow human bone in a lab and do it at a price that makes economic sense? In our conversation, we talked about how Epibone is growing human bone that's being used even now to treat patients, But also, we talked more broadly about the field that Epibone is part of. It's a field called tissue engineering. Maybe just to start, like, what is tissue engineering? Well, tissue engineering is a branch of engineering that's devoted to the creation of surrogate body parts. Okay, the future. Yeah, one-stop body shop for human repair. To what extent is tissue engineering the present? What tissue engineering is actually happening in mass production, normal medicine now? That is a good question. And I think, you know, an easy way to think about it is, you know, if you and I were to do a thought experiment of what would be an easy tissue to grow, what might you say? None. I would say it sounds crazy hard to grow <laughs> tissue. All right, all right, right. Well, maybe something flat. 
Okay. Maybe something with a single cell type, maybe a tissue that regenerates on its own. Walking me to the skin? Okay. Boom. Right? So skin is a flat tissue, single cell type, and regenerates on its own. Okay. Um, has a lot of stem cells in it. And so regenerates on its own. Like you get a cut, you get a scrape and magically a week later or whatever, you have new skin there. Yeah. And so in the early 2000s, we saw two products in the late 90s, early 2000s be released to the market, I believe for for burns and possibly diabetic foot ulcers, something like that. And, And so that's the first that's easy. So, so you have this moment 20 years ago. People are making yeah. skin grafts in the lab, and there's sort of big dreams. Oh, if we can do skin, maybe we can regrow everything in the lab. And so when do you get into the field? When do you walk into the story? I was an electrical engineer coming out of undergrad, and I had worked as a software programmer for a telecom company. So this was not what I thought I was going to be doing with my life. Um, but 9-11 happened. I was living in the suburbs for the first time in my life. And um, I got a little bored and started taking classes at the local community college uh, in anatomy and physiology. And I think because I was so lonely, because I was so kind of starved for that type of engagement, I I really got into this class. <laughs> and um, I decided I was going to, you know, I had to follow this. So I applied to the bioelectrical engineering track at MIT and got in. For a PhD? For a PhD program. And so it's at MIT that you sort of discover this emerging field of tissue engineering. Yeah. Yeah. And when you discover it, like, what do you think? Oh my gosh, so cool. (laughs) This woman, Gordana, who was one of the professors, and I just connected with her as a person to discover that one of the nicest people that I knew at MIT also happened to be experimenting with using electrical signals to grow hearts. (laughs) And that I was like, wow, I I need to know if maybe she might want to work with someone who's an electrical engineer on that. And, And she did. Um, and that was really, it felt like destiny to me because I, I thought to myself, I mean, I'd already fallen in love with the heart at that point through my studies. So it really spoke to me. And the idea that we could copy those electrical signals to try and coax embryonic stem cells into becoming heart cells or, you know, to, to essentially coax the tissue to form that to me was intoxicating. So how do you get from there? I mean, you fell in love with the heart, but you didn't end up starting EpiHeart. You started EpiBone, right? Um, How do you get from from there to starting your company? Cardiac tissue is on the end of the spectrum in terms of difficulty. There's a lot of intermediate- On the hard end. Hard end of growing tissues. Mechanically, most metabolically active tissue in the body um, multiple cell types arranged in a very specific manner. So really the most difficult you could possibly imagine. And bone is in the middle. It's a complex shape, but we could solve that using digital fabrication. And, um, we could use a single cell type to engineer pretty high quality bone. So it was clear to me that if I wanted to be involved in translating, that's the word we use in the field, translating, um, science towards the clinic in my lifetime, I should probably, you know, work on a tissue that's closer to the skin side of the spectrum than cardiac. 
Right. So so you start Epic Bone, you decide to work on on Bone. That's like almost 10 years ago now. And today you do have this uh, engineered Bone. You're doing a clinical trial. Uh, and as I understand it, right, this is bone that is uh, going into people's jaws, where typically a surgeon would cut a piece of a patient's own bone out of some other part of their body. But you're growing the bone in a lab basically from scratch. So tell me about the clinical trial that's going on right now. Okay, so patient, I think I'm, I'm allowed to say this. Um, patient one suffered a traumatic injury due to a car accident. And so we provided bone to help reconstruct the jaw. Patient two had suffered from a degenerating jaw resulting in airway obstruction. So we provided bone to help elongate the jaw and relieve that airway obstruction. Okay. Patient three, he was born with facial asymmetry that um, would only be correctable by taking bones out of some other part of his body to reposition his jaw. And we were just able to grow bones for him using a small sample of his fat tissue. So, um, you know, whether it's for cancer, trauma, or congenital defects, people yeah. need bone. It's bone is the most transplanted human material after blood. And so is is three the number of patients in the trial? That's the... We've done six. Oh, you've done six. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and what is the total number of patients you plan to enroll? That's the fully enrolled. So that oh, okay. was our um, phase one. Two. That was our phase one, two. First in human, first in okay. class. Basically safety and a little bit of efficacy. That's what phase one, two that's, means. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Safety and a little bit of efficacy. And um, hopefully we'll move forward with a phase three in the not too distant future where we'll be able to, um, y you know, help a few more patients. And so so how does the process work? So we, we take two things from the patient. One, we take an image, a CT scan, which is like a three-dimensional x-ray. So we can extract three-dimensional data out of that and design a perfect puzzle piece shaped biomaterial that will be the eventual shape of the bone. Okay. We also take a small sample of fat tissue from the patient so we can extract the stem cells out of it. So those cells can attach to the scaffold, proliferate, lay down new matrix and essentially turn that biomaterial into living bone. It takes Good. about three weeks for bone. So you take a CT scan to get the image of, of the shape of the bone you need. And then mm -hmm. from that, you make, when you say a puzzle piece, you make basically something that is the shape of the bone you need made of plastic or something? What is it made of? So we take a cow bone, strip all the cellular material out of it. So you're, we're left with essentially um, protein and, and mineral. Okay. And uh, it's a very porous material. It looks like pumice stone. Okay. And um, you can infuse cells onto that. And the cells kind of recognize that matrix as being a place that gives them a cue towards differentiating them towards bone. It feels bony enough to these cells that they say, okay, let's let's make the rest of this bone. So, right. So you have this puzzle piece made of cow bone, essentially, right? That's in the right shape. So that's kind of one, one track. And then on the other track, you're taking fat from the patient. You're getting the stem cells out of that fat. And stem cells are cells that can become... Uh, any kind of cell, right? Uh, so yeah. we've got the the cow bone puzzle piece. We've got the stem cells from the patient. What exactly happens next? Well, this is our secret sauce, the bioreactor. Um, so a bioreactor is just a fancy word for a cell culture system, okay. like um, a place where you can culture cells in. And so we get those cells to turn to grow up and turn into bone. So, so just to be able to see it, like 
is the bioreactor a metal box? What, what actually does it look like? You know, you imagine a little bone and then you imagine the reverse image of that bone. So a little gasket that like covers that bone perfectly. And that right. gasket has holes in it. So I can perfuse um, liquid food through it as it grows. Uh -huh. And that gasket's contained in kind of like another canister okay. where we can have fluid that comes in and fluid that comes out. It's about the size of a, can a Coke can. <laughs> and um, and the fluid input and output are attached to a pump. Mm -hmm. So it's constantly pumping. And that whole contraption, which we've made quite efficient in terms of size, is about a shoebox okay. in terms of size. And, and we can stack them up um, so that we can grow many at a time. Great. So, so you take the the cow bone puzzle piece, how do you get the stem cells to like go on to the puzzle piece and, and grow? Yeah, we perfuse them very slowly uh -huh. and the cells attach. And uh -huh. that's part of why the biomaterial is so important because um, you know a, a piece of decellularized bone has a lot of these nanostructure attachment sites that cells recognize and glom uh -huh. onto. And so there's a period of time where the cells attach. Most cells in our body are attached to some sort of three-dimensional matrix. And um, and then they start to proliferate and lay down even more matrix. So um, they they proliferate around sevenfold and they fill up okay. that porous structure. So even though it was porous at the beginning, it looks like bone at uh -huh, the end of it. Uh -huh. so, so you take the, the puzzle piece, you put the puzzle piece into the reactor and then you send the patient stem cells into the reactor and they attach to and grow over the puzzle piece. In, in, within as well. It, they're oh, filling within. up this three-dimensional. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's not a pancake. It's not yeah. a pancake. It's a. It's like a honeycomb or something. Mm -hmm. It's really important to get the cells in 3D. Uh -huh. You know, a lot of people can grow cells on a Petri dish, but grow cells in 3D is a, that's a big challenge. Um, but we've seen that the, the bones perform their mechanical duties, <laughs> um, on day one, you know, patients are able to eat, speak, drink, all the things that you'd want to do. After the break, the problems Nina and her team still have to solve to get lab-grown bone approved and into widespread use. Also, how should we think about the pace of progress in tissue engineering and in biotech more broadly? You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wisefriend. Okay, 10 seconds. How many things can you name that are always growing? The universe, easy one. Um, my kids, so far. Uh, To-do lists. Uh, for this month, my sugar snap peas. 
I know that's not always. I know I'm out of time, but I'm going to give you one more. Businesses on Shopify. <laughs> Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. There are key moments in every endeavor. I ask pretty much everybody I interview on this show about their key moments, their breakthroughs, their failures, their turnarounds, and Shopify can be there for you at all of your key moments. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash problem. Go to shopify.com slash problem now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash problem. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Now, back to the show. So I want to talk about sort of the future and what you're working on next in a minute. But, but before we do that, I mean, you've been in the field now for 20 years. Your company's been around for nine years. And so tell me about the progress of the field in the time you've been in it. Tell me about the progress of the field in the 20 years. What has... What has happened faster than you might have expected? What has happened slower? And like, where are we now? What What is happening in tissue engineering right now? There was a technology developed for cartilage. Um, cartilage in the, a couple of generations of cartilage. Um, so that's been established as like another tissue that can be engineered. Um, there's another company called Humicite, which makes tissue engineered vasculature. Uh-huh. They are very close to getting in approved for um, commercial use. They are um, hopefully within about a year or so. They're a publicly traded company. And so so vasculature, just to be clear, like blood vessels, they're making blood vessels. Blood vessels. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That seems hard. It's hard. Yeah. Is it's it hard? hard? It seems hard. It's a, you got to get the tube. It's a tube. I don't know why that seems harder to me. But somehow. Yeah. Hollow organs are a step above flat tissue for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and there's their founder, Laura Nicholson. Uh-huh. What she learned in growing vasculature was that cells needed flow. Not huh. just flow of liquid, but pulsatile flow. Interesting. And so you're that you're was moving her genius. like pulsatile, like like the way the heart beats, and and mm-hmm. it, it's not like a river. It's like yeah, exactly. It's not a huh. river, and so that's that was her genius discovery. And they are, you know, they've treated um, soldiers and civilians in the Ukraine who need va- who need blood wow. vessels. Um, they are close to commercial. Has the progress of tissue engineering been slower than you would have thought twenty years ago? Yeah, I think my notion of time was very different 20 years ago. <laughs> you know, now I'm like, oh, 20 years? Okay, that's nothing. A human lifetime, that's nothing. You know, what can be done in a human lifetime? Not much. You know, that's like more my kind of gallows humor now. Things move slowly. Slash wisdom. Slash wisdom. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, but like, it, yeah, things take, it's a glacial. I like to tell people this is like a slow motion marathon, in a way, like this past 20 years have, you know, blinked and been gone in a heartbeat. But um, yeah, it takes a long time to do things. I think I've gotten better at 
being more honest um, or realistic in terms of estimating how long something's going to take because you can't rush the science. Yeah. And um, and it's really you know interesting. You say, oh, it sounds so futuristic. I think a lot of people believe that this should happen, and there's very few people that have the skill set to make it happen. You know, because if you watch science fiction, and or if you watch, I don't know, even Star Wars or the Marvel movies, there's always examples of people getting healed with technologies like tissue engineering. So people assume that that's going to happen. Like Luke Skywalker got a new hand, so why can't I get a new hand? Totally, totally. Or in Wakanda, you know, they just regenerated or, you know, uh, there's all these technologies in pop culture. Even in Grey's Anatomy, they had episodes of tissue engineering. And yet it's very hard and it's it takes a long time. And so I'm glad that I've been working on this particular tissue because, you know, it's been... 10 years as a company and we have brought it to where it's never been before. And now the the challenge is a lot more with a lot of that technical de-risking behind us. Um, the challenges are more or less of will this work in a living system and more towards will this work in a clinical setting? Will this uh-huh. work in the economy? Uh-huh. And and I find that to be extremely exciting. When you say, will this work in the economy? That's a that's a big interesting question that we really haven't talked about yet. So so how do you think about that? How, how are you approaching that? You know, unit cost economics need to work. That's where the biomanufacturing comes in. Um, automation of cell culture is a big driver. It's a very artisanal process, you know, using our hand pipettes. Yeah. and Expensive, right? Artisanal and hand, this, that, that, that is expensive, right? Uh, I don't want an artisanal yeah. bone. So I want a mass-produced bone, right? Yeah. Right. Creating the infrastructure that allows for automated um, biomanufacturing is a big piece of it. We're not the only ones that need to be working on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, I think scientifically and clinically, being very clever in terms of the endpoints you're measuring in your clinical trials so that you can make the economic case for, look, if we're going to give you this piece of tissue, it's going to save you surgeries down the line. That is very interesting. And like, tell me specifically what that means in the case of the of the jawbone. Mm-hmm. Easy. Economic cost avoided. What is uh-huh. the economic cost avoided for EpiBone? Well, if you had EpiBone, you don't have to do an extra hour or half hour of surgical time. You don't have to put the patient in the ICU for as much time for recovery. What Those all have very easily calculatable costs. Um, so, so that economic case is as important to me as, um, as the clinical case. So if things go well, when do you think you might actually be approved and out in the world. 2026, 27. Okay. A while yeah, yet. Yeah, not crazy if you don't amount of future, but a while yet. Yeah. So for some people, that's forever. For yeah. some people, they're like, oh, that's pretty soon. I wonder if the sort of absurd rate of development of basically semiconductors, right? Basically, if Moore's law and the <laughs> development of computer technology has messed up our sense of the rate of technological development. Like if we have come to expect it's so funny things that to you be brought too up fast. Law. Well, you were an electrical engineer, so you know it better than I do. Yes. So in, in biotech, um, there's a joke called E-Room's law, which is um, if you spell more backwards, you what do you get? Because um, we're sort of the opposite of that. Um, uh-huh. It gets twice as expensive and twice as slow every year. <laughs> yeah, and and the FDA is backlogged, and uh-huh. um, there's just been so few approvals. Yeah, over time, it's really gone down. So, I think everyone understands 
that no one wants to hurt people. From a regulatory standpoint, yeah. no, they don't want to hurt people. Entrepreneurs and, and companies, we don't want to hurt people. But there's a risk benefit to, you know, if you if you hold back innovation, sure, fewer people will get hurt, but also fewer people will, will get these breakthrough treatments. There's regulation, and that's clearly important. But I feel like also yeah. the body is just super complicated. Like, I feel like even yeah. independent of regulatory bottlenecks, it's just very hard problems. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. But it does feel like, well, I'm climbing a mountain that's worth climbing and, you know, we'll get there. We'll be back in a minute with the lightning round, including a very compelling argument that our cells are intelligent. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org wisefriend. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Okay, that's the end of the ads. Now it's time for the lightning round. What's one tip for finding a mentor? Hmm. Who's your professional crush? Finding a crush. mentor. Yeah, your professional crush. That's that's, that's how nice. that's identifying a, a mentor. It's like who do you yeah, have a crush on professionally? No, but how do you find a mentor? How do you find a mentor? Here's my answer: Good people lead you to good people. I like all of those answers. As a former McKinsey consultant, do you think 
McKinsey is overrated or underrated? I think, I think neither. Appropriately rated. They're appropriately powerful. I mean, they do good work and they're full of very earnest people. And my goodness, do they know how to make a two by two matrix out of any problem? Um. <laughs> good. <laughs> Um, I like a two-by-two matrix. Every problem can be broken down to a two-by-two matrix. Um, What's been the most surprising thing about running a company? I think how much your psychology gets amplified. (laughs) You know, just think how much of the company is a mirror. And if I'm having a bad day, it amplifies to the team. It just makes me have to just really take my own um, mental health and really seriously Downward dog or warrior one? Oh, down dog, I think. Ah, I love them. Well, yeah, warrior one. I'd say warrior two. Okay, good. <laughs> I love yoga. I could talk about that for a long time. What do you understand about the human body that most people don't? That cells are intelligent. All of our cells. Intelligence isn't only in the brain. Intelligence is everywhere in the body at, and at the cellular level. What do you mean by that? Well, we tend to think of intelligence as being in our brain and that like places like our heart are dumb. It's a dumb pump that listens to the brain, but the heart is thinking on its own. It's making a lot of decisions about how much blood to pump and um, and sends signals up to the brain, but also does plenty of thinking on its own. The eye isn't just a camera. The eye contains a lot of decision-making processes about what we're seeing before even sending the image up to the brain. The optic nerve is the largest amount of data compression known in biology. So intelligence is distributed throughout the body. And I don't think a lot of people think that, but I know that. And I love that about the body. It makes me, it makes living in a body fun for me. Nina Tandon is the co-founder and CEO of Epibone. Today's show was produced by Edith Russelo, edited by Sarah Nix, and engineered by Amanda K. Wong. I'm Jacob Goldstein, and just one last quick note. We're going to be off for the next couple of weeks, and we'll be back with a new episode on Thursday, April 20th. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. If you're looking for a new podcast but don't know where to start, here's one you can add to your list. The Jordan Harbinger Show. The Jordan Harbinger Show is aimed at making you a better informed critical thinker so you can get a sense of how the world actually works and come to your own conclusions about what's happening. Jordan talks to everyone from neuroscientists to CEOs to astronauts, authors, and performers. You might enjoy Jordan's interview with historian Yuval Noah Harari, the author of Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind, or his episode with Fool Me Once author Kelly Richmond Pope on how fraud became a trillion-dollar industry. 
Whether Jordan's conducting an interview or giving advice to a listener, you'll find something useful that you can apply to your own life in every episode of The Jordan Harbinger Show. That could mean learning how to ask for advice the right way, or it could just be discovering a slight mindset tweak that changes how you see the world. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show, that's H-A-R-B-I-N-G-E-R, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts.